0: Thank you for joining us. Our goal at Church of the Rock is to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To learn more about us, please check out our website at churchoftherock.ca or stay connected with our free app available for Apple and Android devices. So excited you're here with us. We are going to continue the series I started last week called Metagame, and uh, we were talking about some video game stuff, and and in in the video game world, if you're a gamer, you you use some of these terms if you're really into it, because metagame, meta meta in, in the video game world usually is in reference to like the best strategy, the best character, the best gun, or whatever it is that you're playing, it's the meta of it. And, uh, and of course, if you take the letters in the word meta and you spin them all around, you can spell team instead of meta. And, uh, and that's what we're focusing on this, in this series. We're focusing on the fact that God has designed us op- to operate in a team, that we are not meant to work as individuals. We are not meant to be in this thing all on our own. But in fact, God has called us to work in team. And today, what we are going to focus in on is your part of the team and I want to give read in some instructions that Paul gives us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And this is what he says, starting at verse 20. He says, There are many parts, but only one body. You, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and the least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require that extra special, that extra care. And so God has put the body together such that extra honor are given to those parts that have less dignity. And, And this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members can care for each other. And so Paul is talking about the fact that we are one body, as we talked about last week, and we have different parts and different roles and different strengths and weaknesses, and we can't say to the other part, I don't need the other part. But every time I, every time I read this passage, I always think of the song, Hokey Pokey. Anyone know that song, Hokey Pokey? Yeah. yeah, you know, you put your left hand in, put your left hand out, left hand in, shake it all about. Do the hokey pokey, turn yourself around. That's what it's all about. Just guess what, guys? You're going to be singing this all day now. <laughs> you just love that you came to church. Do you know that that was actually, uh, it started as a British folk, folk dance in 1826. That's where it actually started. And, uh, you know, this is the part that surprised me the most. In the 1980s, it made the hit charts twice. What was wrong with that generation? That this song would be on the hit charts twice in a generation, I don't know. But if there is a point to this song, which in some ways they're not, but there is for today's message. If there is a point to this song, it's about the fact, you know, it's all the parts. And, and you know, left arm, right arm, left foot, right foot, elbow in, head in, all those things. We've, if you've grown up singing that song, you know the song. And at the end it says that's what it's all about. And, and the whole point of what Paul is talking about here in this passage is that it is, it's, what it's all about is us working together as a team. That we have different roles, we have different parts. Some are more noticeable than others. Some need more care than others. Some need to be clothed a certain way, and others don't need to be clothed a certain way. And, and, and that's what it's actually all about. And, and we're unique, we have different roles, we look different, we act different. And we have to fight our culture on this, because our culture... Our culture actually assigns value sometimes to certain roles and less value to other roles. And of course, that's not the way God sees it. That's not the way Paul is talking about here in this passage. He is talking about the fact that we cannot, the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. And, and we need each other. We don't, one is not more valuable than the other. They're all necessary in this life that we live. And, you know, we talked last time how the apostles continually work together as a team that we saw over and over again. Uh, you know, the apostles always did it in a team. And we talked about the story of Philip and how Philip had uh, been in, in the area of Samaria and preached the gospel and all these people got saved. And, and and because he was in team, he sent for Peter and John to come come and help with, with them in this situation. But what we didn't talk about is why Peter and John came and what was the purpose and why did he need them. So I want to... I want to pick up the story where we left off last time in and, uh, and Ch- Acts chapter 8, verses 14 and following. And it says this. It says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. And so that's the part we read last time. And as soon as they arrived, they prayed for the new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter laid... Peter and John laid their hands upon the believers and they received the Holy Spirit. And so we see here what, what happened is Philip went and he did what he did. He preached the gospel and he went and, and all these people got saved and it, we can tell from the story that they got water baptized and then, then some time passes because they had to send for the apostles. They had to give message. They didn't have email and, and, and text messaging and all those things. So there would have been a, a, a portion of time that would have passed. Then they heard about it. And then they chose to come and they traveled back to Samaria. And so anywhere from weeks to months, we don't know how, how long this this period was, they took some time to come back. And, and the first thing they do, it says, is they went and they laid hands on them and they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And, they, and, you, know, and this is, you know, this is not today's message, but this is, Honestly, it's the best proof text ever. If you're having a question about you know, whether there is two experiences, when we get saved, is there a second experience with the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Clearly here there is, because it happened weeks or months later, and uh, they'd already been water baptized. And if you want to find out more about that, I'd encourage you to go online, go to our, our foundations class. Pastor Mark teaches on this, Lesson 4 Foundations, and, um, and you can hear all about that. But what I think is interesting in this passage, in this story in particular, is... Why did Philip not do that himself? Could Philip not have prayed for these people to have received the baptism in the Spirit? Um, arguably, yes. Why? Why couldn't he do? Of course, he could. He, he has he had the Holy Spirit living in him too. He was part of, of the you know in the upper room and all those things. He, he could have totally done that, yet he didn't. And this is my theory as to the reason why, because it just wasn't his sweet spot. He seemed to have this excellent ability to preach the gospel and share his faith and and people would get saved and he would just, you know, get them baptized and and all those things. And and that was, you know, what was his strength. And he knew that he had other team members that had other strengths. And they had the ability to go and, you know, share with them about the baptism of the Spirit and pray for them and do all those things. And it's not that he couldn't do it. He just made a choice to go, this is my sweet spot. This is what God has called me to do. And so I'm going to focus in on what God has called me to do and allow the team that I'm a part of to carry the other part of it. And and, and we see this, this picture here. And, and over and over again, that that is the way... That is the way God has designed us to operate. We we work in team. We need each other. We we have strengths and weaknesses in all those kinds of things. Sir reminds me of this story, of this uh, you know we had that snowstorm a few weeks ago and lots of people stuck in ditches and things like that. And, And you know down in southern Manitoba there was this guy traveling and. And he got stuck in a ditch in, in the middle of this, in the snowstorm. And and there was this Mennonite farmer that was nearby, had a had a a, a big horse named Buddy. And uh, he said, You know I, I think I my horse can, can pull you out. Uh, and the guy said, Great, that I'd really appreciate it if you can if you can help me get out of this ditch. And so he gets the horse tied up to the car and and, uh, and he's sitting there and he says, Pull, Coco, pull. And nothing happens. And he goes, pull, Buster, pull. And still nothing happens. And he goes, pull, Nellie, pull. And still nothing happens. And finally he says, pull, Buddy, pull. And the horse gets up, pulls the car out, no problem at all. And and the guy is super thankful that this this farmer helped him out. And he's thanking him for it. And he says, but I just, I have one question. I don't understand why you called your horse by the wrong name three times. He says, oh, Buddy's blind. And if he thought he was doing this, this by himself, he wouldn't have even tried. All right. I love it when we get the delayed laughs. That's, the, that's my favorite. All right. So I want to talk about, uh, I want to talk about RPG. And uh, if, you're, if you're a movie guy and you like watching movies or you, you, you know, you're a military guy, RPG usually means rocket propelled grenade. That's what it talks about. But in the gaming world, RPG stands for something else. Who can tell me what RPG stands for? Role-playing games. There we go. We got a gamer over here. And uh, it stands for Role-Playing Games. And so today, I want to give you the meta RPG uh, for, for life. And it's real diversity, participant, and, and growth. And these things are the keys to understanding if you want to excel at the team game. And so the first letter in the, in the meta RPG we're going to look at today is real diversity. And the reason. The reason I'm calling it real diversity is two reasons. One, I needed an R, and so I had to add the R in front of diversity. Uh, but two, because I think we struggle with what diversity is in, in today's culture, in today's day and age, and we struggle with understanding, because diversity is our is strength, is our strength. And, and that's a term... Sometimes you hear in politics, you hear them talking about how diversity is our strength, and I 100% agree with that. I think it's true, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but I think that many times we don't actually understand what that means, and we don't actually take the, the good in that, in that expression and use it in our lives, and so I want to talk about real diversity, and the reality is none of us are balanced. Every one of us Is out of balance, and if you think you have a balanced life, you're you're wrong. And I don't have a balanced life. None of us have a balanced life. We all have a perspective that is not the full perspective. We all see a part of the picture that needs other people to help balance out the picture. Because none of us are perfect. None of us are God. None of us see the whole thing, and we all are out of balance, and, and we are fooling ourselves. If we think that we are a balanced person, because none of us are, we are all out of balance. First Peter 4 verse 10 says that God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them to serve one another well. And the reality is we need each other. We, we need to serve each other. And I, I think marriage is one of the easiest places to see this, this whole concept of, of how diversity is strengthened. If a marriage is healthy, And if it's doing well, even though they're two different people, and even though they have different perspectives, their strengths, their their differences actually become their strengths. Because they have different strengths and weaknesses. They have different perspectives. And and, and here's here's the reality in my situation. I would be a disaster if it wasn't for my wife. It's It's just the truth. There are so many times, I can't even count the amount of times, where I have had a certain perspective or a certain thought about something and I've come to my wife and we've started talking about it and as we've processed it a little bit my perspective changed and I changed the, what I was thinking I changed my what I was you know going to do or different things like that because because she actually rounded out my perspective I am not a balanced person and none of us are and we need others around us to help balance us it's it's together when we come together that we actually find strength that is where we find Health, and what this means in my marriage is that if I have something that I think we should do as a family, I'm gonna go and spend some time and talk to my wife about it. And we're gonna process it a little bit. and It could be heated, she might disagree with me, and we might you know sort that out. But at the end of the day, if we can't find agreement on it, we don't do it. That's just, that's just the way it works for us. Because, because that's the whole point the diversity actually brings strength. And, and so that doesn't mean that I walk away and I'm you know feeling rejected or bummed or m- mad that she won't agree with my perspective or my point of view. Actually, it's in fact, it's the exact opposite. I actually see that as a strength. And I recognize that, you know what, because she sees it differently and I am not balanced because I understand that I'm not balanced, I know that that actually helped to balance me. And my perspective, even though I thought it was true, might not be the best perspective, and I needed help with that. And so that's the way we do things, and that's the way we process things. You know, when it comes to this current situation that we're in with this world right now, we have, this, we have this whole debate and, and, and animosity between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. And there's all this stress around it and all this tension and, and disagreements and, and all these things. And everybody has an opinion. And, and that's okay. I have an opinion too. But here is where I bring this to from, from my life. And this is why I think, you know, the politicians in particular don't really understand this whole diversity is strength thing. Because I recognize that I'm not balanced. And that my perspective, my opinion in the whole debate is valid. I I actually, I have an opinion. I'm not saying you shouldn't have one. You should have an opinion. But I also understand that my opinion is out of balance and that the opposing opinion actually has some value as well. And it helps to balance my perspective. And so when I have discussions or when I'm thinking about and talking about with people who disagree with me, I'm not getting frustrated or mad. I'm trying to understand their perspective because I understand that I'm out of balance and I understand that they have something to offer. That doesn't mean I'm going to change my mind. It doesn't mean I'm going to have a different opinion. It means that they are going to help round out my opinion and that their opinion has something to offer as well. And we need to understand that diversity is strength. This is where we find strength. When we have differing opinions, when we surround ourselves. And and here's what we all do by default. We all choose to surround ourselves with people that are similar to us, people that are like us, that think like us, that act like us, and, and that's, that's fine. That's, that's the easy way to do things, and I understand that. It, it's, just, it's just simpler and it's easier. But we are way stronger and way healthier if we choose to surround ourselves with people who think differently, who act differently, who have different interests, and we become way more round, well-rounded individuals. We become way healthier. We become way stronger because diversity is strength. And, the, and yes, I understand that it's more work, but we become stronger people if we allow other opinions to have space in our life. There was a few years ago, there was this transport ship that went down in the middle of uh, the Atlantic Ocean. And, and when it went down, it went down super fast. They didn't, have, they didn't have time at all to get a distress signal out or anything like that. It just, it happened in an instant. And, and so after about 10 days, they people back on back in, in North America started worrying about them and going, what is going on? We haven't heard anything about them, and so they they sent out a ship to try to to find what happened and see if they were okay. And after about five days, they they came across this island, and uh, they found these four ladies on the island, and they were in this emergency uh, emergency shelter that was set up, and they they had bottled water and they had food, and they were doing actually quite well. And uh, the captain came and talked to them and said, Wow, you guys seem like you're doing pretty good you've been shipwrecked for 15 days and and you seem okay and they said yeah you know what we are we're doing we're doing great uh the the emergency supply kit that that was on the ship uh is amazing it has everything we need to take care of everything and and you know whoever thought this thing through really really figured out the things that someone would need if they were stranded on on a deserted island and uh so then the captain said to them well let me ask you a question because there is a four digit like security lock code on this on the kit to get it open and and was that did that present a problem for you at all and they said oh no it was no problem at all because right on the side of the uh, emergency survival kit there was this big plastic bag it said instructions all the way across it we opened up it gave us the instructions of what to do and it was no big deal and we we got it and they said oh good well i'm glad to hear that that was helpful and it worked and so then they all got back on the ship and they went to look for more survivors. A little bit later, they came across another island about 100 miles away, and and as they got to this other island, they pulled up, and they got onto shore, and, and they were shocked to discover there was four men lying dead on the island, right next to an unopened emergency survival kit. Because they didn't read the instructions. Oh, my goodness. All right, work with me, people. All right, so, guys never read instructions, right? How many guys actually read instructions here? Yeah, so do I, actually, sometimes. Half and half. I'm 50-50. All right, so the first letter in, in the meta-RPG is real diversity. The second is participant, and more specifically, a participant as opposed to an individual. When we work as an individual, we lose out in all the benefits of the team, and you know, and this is still our tendency, right? We even though we sometimes are in teams, sometimes we choose to think about ourselves and our needs and our desires and our wants, and we let that be the priority instead of the priority of the team. And in 1998, there was in the in the baseball season there were two there were two hitters that were actually, uh, they were going to break the, the, the uh, home run record that year. And one of them was Sammy Sosa, and the other one was Mark McGuire. And Sammy Sosa ended up uh, getting 66 home runs that year, and, and Mark McGuire ended up getting 70. The previous record was 61. So they were both beating the record. They were both in contention for this. And all season long, as they as they were playing, they were going back and forth, and they were, they were leapfrogging each other who had the, had the better record. And Sammy Sosa actually got to the record, got to the 66 before before McGuire did. He got there beforehand and made it. Made it. Uh, but then what happened is McGuire later surpassed him and made it all the way to 70 and ended up getting the record for that year. But what some people contend, is that, that Sosa actually had the opportunity to get the record that year, but their teams were in two very different places. You see, Sosa's team was in contention for a playoff spot, and, and Mark McGuire's team was not. They were out, they weren't making the playoffs no matter what, it didn't matter, and so every time Mark McGuire would get up to bat, he would, go for the, he would go for the fence every time. He would just try to hit it every time and was always trying to get a home run because it didn't matter what he did for the sake of the team, he was just playing for himself and that was okay. But Sosa was in a very different situation. They were in contention for the playoffs. They weren't sure if they were going to make the playoffs, and so he had to start making the plays that made more sense for the team than necessarily about his record. And so sometimes that would mean uh, taking, getting, walking to base, or sometimes that would mean just hitting a short, you know, hitting a uh, one base, or so that somebody else could get in. And, and he was doing these different things. To, to actually benefit the team as opposed to himself. And the reporters, they asked him about this because everyone knew. They were watching him all season long. These two go back and forth. And they asked him about this whole thing and about the record and the home run record. And so this is what Sosa said. He said, my team's desires are more important than my quest for a home run record. And the attitude that he had actually helped the team get into the playoffs. They, they, they ended up making the playoffs. And at the end of the season, he was voted the most valuable player Even though he didn't get the record, he was voted the most valuable player in that whole season because he understood something. He understood that he was a participant on the team as opposed to an individual just trying to get what he needed to get. And this is where we need to be. We need to be at this place where we go, you know what, I want to be a participant on the team and I want to put aside some of my own things and my own desires and my own wants and think about the team instead of just myself. Philippians two three to four says this. It says, "Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take interest in others too." This is you know, as you read this passage, this is exactly the way a team plays. They look out for the other interests. They they put themselves before themselves, and we have a, such a hard time with this in our culture. And, and, and we find it, we struggle with this, this whole thing, and, and, and you know, you've probably heard Pastor Mark say this before, that there's no I in the word team, but there's two in the word idiot. And, uh, and you know, the reality is, the team, understanding a team, means we're taking care of others, and we're thinking of others, not just ourselves. There was these missionaries in the Philippines. They were, um, uh, this bunch of years ago, they were playing croquet. I mean, who's ever played croquet? Anyone played croquet before a bunch of you played croquet? So they were playing croquet on their front lawn, and there were some indigenous people from the Philippines that were watching them play and were curious. And and so the missionaries asked them, do you want to come play this game with us? And they were eager to play, and so they came and they played. And so they they taught them the rules and how how it worked and, and all that stuff. And so then they started playing the game together. But after a little while of playing... Uh, it became apparent that the obvious strategy would be to for one of these indigenous people to knock the other player's ball off course, because that's what you can do in, in, in croquet. You can, you're allowed to do that, knock the other player. And so the missionary said, you know what, here, let me explain to you how this works. This is what, when we play this game, because you're trying to win, you sometimes have the opportunity to knock another player's ball off, and that puts you in a better position. So that's probably what you should do in this situation. But they did not understand that because they were, they were a hunting, fishing uh, community. That's the way they grew up. And in, in those communities, they don't do competition. They work together. That's, they don't know how to do these things. They, they work together in everything they do. They all go and they hunt together and they fish together and they provide food together and they do these things together. And this concept... Of, of trying to take out another person to put yourself in a better position was just a foreign concept for them. They couldn't do it. And even though the missionary explained it to them, they would not play that way. And so they went through the whole game. Nobody played that way. They wouldn't do it. And at the end, when one of them made it to the end, what they would do is they would go back and help the the other players and give them little pointers and cheer them on and things like that. And in the end, when they all got through, they all started yelling, we won, we won, we won. Because they, they weren't in competition with one another. They were playing this thing together. They did not understand because their culture is different than ours. But our culture is, is so different than that. And we have, we have this competitive thing and it's about ourselves and, and we have a hard time putting others' needs in, in, front of our, in front of our own. And like I said last week, this concept of individualism is a broken part of our culture that we actually need to fight against. Now, for the record... If I'm ever playing a game of croquet with you, I will try to knock your ball out of the way to, to to try to win because I want to win that game. And croquet is meant to be won as an individual, not as a team. But in the game of life, I got your back, and and you know we are going to work together, and we are in a team together, and that's the way that God designed us to operate. In 1939, the Soviet army was was marching on on Finland. And uh, as they passed the border, there was a hill uh, right there at the border. And they heard this Finnish voice over the hill say, one Finnish soldier is better than ten Soviet soldiers. And the general, he laughs out loud and he thinks, whatever. And so he sends ten Soviet soldiers over the hill. And he hears gunfire and stuff like that for about a minute. And then there's just Silence. And then he hears the voice again. One Finnish soldier is better than a hundred of the Soviet soldiers. And so now the general a bit uh, irate. And so he sends a hundred uh, Finnish, a hundred soldiers over and uh, they go over and, and do battle. And for about 10 minutes, he can hear the battle go on. He can hear guns going off. And, and after 10 minutes, there's silence again. And then he hears the voice once again. One Finnish soldier is better than a thousand Soviet soldiers. Well, now the general is irate. He has no more room for this, and he sends a thousand soldiers over the hill, and he sends, he sends the tanks and the mortars and everything, and he tells them, do not come back until you have taken this hill. And for half an hour, it's like World War III, and he can hear bombs going off and explosions going off and guns going off and yelling and screaming and all these things, and finally... Finally, there's silence. And after a minute, he sees one of his soldiers crawling over the hill, injured and wounded, and before he has a chance to say anything, the wounded soldier says to him, Don't send more troops, comrade general. It's a trap. There's two of them. (laughs) All right. Thank you for working with me. So the first letter... In the meta-RPG is real diversity. The second is, the, is participant, and the third is growth. Proverbs 27, 17 says this. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. And if we want to grow in our lives, there is no better way than to walk in a team and, and learn and observe and, and be challenged by others that are around us. And I've been, I've been here on Church of the Rock for 20 years, 20 years now. I've worked with Pastor Mark and Pastor Aubrey and Pastor Keith before he passed away for, for 20 years. And I've walked, worked with Pastor Steve for 10. And, and you know, I've spent years uh, watching and observing and learning and asking questions and spending time you know, you know, figuring out why they do things the way they do them and, and adjusting the way I do things because I've watched what they're doing and, and learning from them. And, and it's changed everything for me. And, and, and I've grown. I've become, I've become more able... Because I walked with these other men who, who walked with me. And, and you know, I've learned more from them and sometimes sometimes been challenged by them and sometimes been uh, you know, observing how they're doing it and making a choice to do that and I'm making a choice to go, well, I wonder why they do it that way. Why do they you know, do it this way and, and those kinds of things and, and asking questions and, and trying to figure things out and recognizing that they have different strengths than I have and some of their, their strengths are my weaknesses and some of my weaknesses are their strengths and, and as we've journeyed together, I have learned a tonne because of journeying it. Probably more than I would have learned if I went, did 20 years of schooling. Because we learn so much more when we walk with people and when we, when we rub shoulders with them. And that's what, they, that's what this passage talks about. Iron sharpens iron. And this is how we grow. We grow... When we make a choice, and it, it won't happen just because you happen to be with someone. It, we grow because we make a choice to, to watch and learn and recognize that they have strengths that are our weaknesses and, and that we can learn things from them. And, and when we choose to, to recognize that about the people who we work with and recognize that we have things to learn from everybody, each and every one of us, have things we can learn from the people that are on our teams. When we choose to do that, that is how we grow. I want to close with one final story and it's about the flying tigers, and uh, they were around in uh, 1941, 1942, and, and they were they were uh, pilots that would, would fl- flew in in the in what became the World War II uh, over China and Burma. And what it was an interesting story because what happened is America was not yet in the war. They had not to, this is before Pearl Harbor. They hadn't entered the war yet, and uh, but they wanted to help. And and, and uh, the the Japanese were were just dominating the skies over China and. And so they were trying to figure out how they can help and not actually send their military because they weren't in the war. And so a bunch of men uh, all resigned their their commission from... From the military and from the army, and actually instead went and joined this volunteer team uh, called the Flying Tigers in in China. And they went and did battle there, and they were there for a few years. And what was interesting about it is that, and remarkable about it, was actually their success rate. Because they did something that has never been repeated before or after, and they had this incredible uh, success rate. There was, they flew a whole bunch of missions. And they were outnumbered all the time, outnumbered, sometimes 10 to 100. And they dealt with problems with, with repairs to their planes and, and uh, getting parts. They, this wasn't, it wasn't, they, they didn't have all the resources they would have had if they were here in, in North America. And so they struggled to make this thing go, yet somehow the results they had were incredible. And they, in their time period, shot down uh, almost 300, 297 enemy planes the whole time. And in that whole time, they only lost 14 pilots themselves. And that's never happened in, in all of history. No one has ever had that kind of success rate. And they had a whole bunch of different strategies they used. And, and, uh, and you can research it and study it and see some of the strategies. Because one, of the things that, one of the strategies that they used was that they always sent their planes up in pairs. And their, their pairs would always take on one plane at a time. That's the way it would work. So instead of saying that they had 10 up against 100, they would say, no, we have five pairs up against 100. And even though they were outnumbered ten to one, their pairs would say, "No, we are two to one. we actually have the better odds and they would fight in pairs and always work together that way and, and ended up and ended up having these huge victories. They would come back with very few casualties and take down a hundred others and, and, and time and time again, this happened for them and um, in the general, he called it the principle of concentration and and this is what he said. He said, before the pilots, when they you know, would, would fly before, they would fly as an individual. And there would be these individual dogfights. And as a sport, they were incredible to watch. But in war, it's all wrong. That's not how we do this. We do this together. We do this as a team. We do it in pairs. And see, the reality is that God has designed each and every one of us, each and every one of us, to work as a team. We're not designed to work as an individual. We're not designed to do these things on our own. And, and, and we have to fight against that, that model and fight against those things. And, and if we choose to do that, the ultimate strategy for life, the game of life, is to be part of a team. And that meta RPG is real diversity to operate as a participant, not an individual, and grow by working together with others. This is the meta role-playing game, the ultimate strategy ultimate strategy for the game of life in the way God designed us to play the game of life. Let's stand together. I just want to take a moment and and maybe there's somebody here in the room where you don't have a relationship with God right now. He, He wants you to be on his team. He died on the cross so you could be on his team with him and so I want to give you an opportunity to do that and so I'm just going to ask everyone to bow your head and close your eyes and if there's somebody here and you say, you know what, I, I need to make that decision, uh, then, I, then I just simply want you to put up your hand and once I see it, you can put it back down and I'm not going to embarrass you or call you forward. Anybody here today where you you know I need to do that, I need to make my, my life right with the Lord? Thanks, I see your hand at the back. Anybody else where you go, you know what, this is my day? Well, here's what we're going to do. I'm not, I said I wouldn't embarrass anyone or call her out. So we're going we're to just pray a prayer together. And so let's pray this prayer together. Lord Jesus. I thank you for the cross. I thank you for dying for my sins. And I ask you to forgive my sins. And I choose today to make you the Lord of my life. Today I'm a Christian. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Thanks for joining us. We want to help you know God.